You're listening to the Unveiling Mormonism podcast from PursueGod.org. Join us every Monday as we pull back the curtain on Mormon history, culture, and doctrine. Find more resources to continue the conversation at PursueGod.org forward slash Mormonism. All right, Bo and Katie, today we are covering lesson three from Preach My Gospel, which is the missionary manual, kind of the missionary handbook, Bo, that you use to train yourself up on, even though there's a new version of it. it this is one that you, the stuff we're about to share today, you shared with many, many people on your mission. And let's unpack it a little bit. Let's talk about which parts of it is biblical, which parts of it is Mormon and not biblical. And uh, we should we should mention that last week we talked about the plan of salvation, which which to a Mormon means what did you what did you say, Bo? What was that? It's like the uh, yeah, it's the well, it's the timeline of where we come from, why we're here, and where we go when we die. Yeah. So, and I, what I said last week is it was really the plan of exaltation because it introduced some of these concepts that are foreign to Christians. But that's kind of the point you said last time, Bo is. You, you, the missionary is gently trying to get the listener, especially if he's a Christian listener, to understand that the the me- this message is different from what you'll hear in a Baptist church because it's the restored gospel. It's the restored message. And now we get to lesson three, and this is this is just basically all about the gospel. And again, just pay attention, listeners, because the word gospel, when a Mormon uses the word gospel, it's actually different than what we mean as Christians when we use the word gospel. That's right. Yeah, it is. And and so this was my favorite lesson to teach uh, when I was a missionary for the LDS Church. And there, there were two reasons for it. The first reason was it was all about Jesus, the, the version of Jesus that I knew. And uh, and I loved Jesus, right? As a missionary, I was, I was all about preaching um, that version. It's the only version I knew. Right, so don't don't come at me. But anyways, uh, that's the first reason that I loved teaching lesson three. The second reason I loved teaching lesson three, it was finally we got to the stuff we could do about it. It was like okay, so there was this apostasy, and there was this restoration, and there's a plan, and God wants to us to live with Him again. Like great, what do I got to do about it? Right, like this is the lesson for Mormons that the gospel is okay what do we do about this good news, right? Like that's essentially what we would get into as missionaries here. Okay, before we get into the Mormon definition of the gospel, let me just read from 1 Corinthians 15, which actually is a really interesting chapter because Mormons Mormons use a lot of stuff from 1 Corinthians 15 to support some of their actually unbiblical doctrines. We'll get into that. We got into that a little bit last time. We'll get into that in future episodes. But it's so interesting to me to see how 1 Corinthians 15 starts out. Paul's writing this. He says, let me remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. And the word good news in my translation is literally the word gospel. Gospel means good news. It appears over 50 times in the New Testament. That's all the gospel is. It just means the good news. Okay. It's a New Testament word. And here's what he says, you welcomed it then and you still stand firm in it. This is the good news that saves you, okay? And then here's what he says in verse three, I passed on to you what was most important and what had been passed on to me. And here here it is, here's the gospel, here's the biblical gospel, it's so simple. And again, I wanna say this up front because I wanna 
I want to hold this up against what we're about ready to learn in this lesson from the missionaries. Here's the gospel according to 1 Corinthians 15. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. So it's so interesting that it's so simple. It's all about Jesus. It's about his death and his resurrection. To, so that when we when we trust in him, which he said in verse one, we would be saved. That's it. There's the gospel. And it's also interesting, this is the first time I've noticed this, guys, that twice Paul says, just as the scripture said, just as the scripture said. So Paul is affirming the scriptures, and he doesn't mean the Book of Mormon as scripture. He means what, what we as Christians take to be scripture. He's affirming the scripture, number one. And number two, he's keeping the gospel really simple and Jesus-centered. And these are two things, Bo and KD, that that the missionaries aren't going to do. Again, it's not their fault. This is what they're being taught. So don't be mean to them, people, listeners. Don't be mean to them. They don't know any different. But it's it's helpful for you to know that they don't affirm the scriptures, the Bible, and that they don't keep the gospel simple. Yeah. No, that's that's well said. And, you know, as we get into this... Uh, you know, listeners will be able to see what we're kind of talking about here. Because again, when when Mormons think of the gospel, they they obviously think of Jesus. They think of Jesus, his his suffering, his death, his resurrection. But almost more so, the emphasis is on what do we do about it, and and what do we need to do, um, to live the gospel, to to accept the gospel, to return. Yeah. So, so anyway, it's an interesting one. Essentially, this lesson be, starts us on the covenant-making, covenant-keeping path with God. That's essentially what this lesson is is all about um, for for Mormons. So, so, but it starts kind of similar to the verse you just read. It starts with the divine mission of Jesus Christ. That's the first bullet point, right? So we would open this lesson with, you know, hey, last week we talked about the plan of salvation. We talked about how God wants us to live with him again, and through the atonement that's possible. Christ had a divine mission when he came to earth, right? God sent his beloved son, John 3, 16 and 17, right? That's that's the first scripture we're going to read. We're going to say, hey, and it's only through Christ's grace and mercy that we can become clean from sin. Uh, because of the Savior's sacrifice, known as the atonement, all people will be brought back into the presence of the Lord to be judged, and we're responsible to accept Christ, repent, and obey. So that's the first thing that we would say, and I, I don't know, Brian, would you agree with with that? I, again, on the surface level, on the surface level, I probably wouldn't nitpick any of that. So if I'm meeting with you as a missionary, I'm like, okay, good. Again, I'm probably not going to read the second Nephi verses that you're going to share, but I'll read the John 3.16 verse. I'll say, yes, amen, Jesus came to save us. Now, again, if I'm going to get in the weeds a little bit, I'm going to say, I don't, you know, when you said because of his save, of his sacrifice, that because of that we'll be brought back into the presence of the Lord to be judged, I think we'll be back brought back into the presence of the Lord to be judged because we need to be judged for our sins. His sacrifice actually saves us from that judgment. But again, that's nitpicking. I would probably just at this point say, read on, brother. Amen. Let's be let's let's finally get focused on Jesus. I think I would have resonated with you, Bo, as a missionary. Yeah. I probably would have seen that you re- there was something about Jesus. Cause this isn't probably true for most missionaries, right? Or at least not for all missionaries, that you really like you really were interested in Jesus in spite of all the all the trappings in Mormonism that was keeping you from 
really knowing Jesus, you were still interested. Katie, I think that was true for you. I meet a lot of Mormons who you, and when you hear their story, you could tell they were, there was some, it was like, it's like God's calling you and he, and there's something about Jesus that you really want to learn about that you're not in the Mormon church. The thing is, is that, um, as Bo has said in the past, that Mormonism is what Joseph Smith, he corrupted Christianity, right? He took Christianity and kind of morphed it. Um, and so I don't want to offend anybody, but but there are grains of truth here, right? And so for a, a Mormon teenager who's out on a mission, they're, they really believe that this is true. And for some of them, they are they really do want to know Jesus, and they think that they do. They think they have the right one, but they that was at least um, probably Bo's experience, and I didn't go on a mission, but as a young adult and teenager, I I was really focused on Jesus, yes, because um, of the just the grains of truth, and I didn't know I didn't know any different, but but yeah, you'll you may even see that in some missionaries, you know that that yearning. So that's what we would teach, right? With with the divine mission of Jesus Christ. Sounds like we're all on the same page here. Jesus is our Savior. God sent him into the world as his one and only son to sacrifice himself. That's called the atonement. And and all of us will be brought back to be all of us will be brought back to be judged. And we're responsible to accept Christ, repent, and obey. So then we would get into the the second point. And I actually this this actually might be new, the gospel of Christ and doctrine of Christ. I don't remember this being in Preach My Gospel when I was a missionary, but it, it's all about the Book of Mormon containing the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So it's a bit of a tangent, because we're about to get into the gospel of Jesus Christ, faith, repentance, baptism, etc. But before we go there, we talk about how the Book of Mormon contains the fullness of the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ includes, you know, faith, repentance, baptism, give the Holy Ghost, and during the end. But the Book of Mormon teaches us what we must believe about Jesus in order to have faith in him. So this is a very, very pivotal point in the lesson that Hmm. I don't remember being there. I'm going to have to go pull my old Preach My Gospel out, Mm -hmm. but I do do not remember teaching this section, so it's got to be new. But emphasizing that the Book of Mormon teaches us what we must believe about Jesus Christ in order to have faith in him is... That's a wild concept. That's a Mm. very bold claim for a Mormon missionary to be making. So the Book of Mormon contains the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What you mean by that is your your Bibles don't have everything you need. You need the Book of Mormon to really understand what the real gospel is, because the real gospel, uh, you know, got lost because of the great apostasy, right? That's exactly what we're referring to. Yeah, spot on. And so because of the this great apostasy, because there were plain and precious truths lost from the Bible, the Book of Mormon is more reliable, right? And the Book of Mormon is what contains the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So in order to know the real Jesus, you need to know the Book of Mormon, and you need to believe in it. Okay, so right here now... Like, talk me off the ledge, because I'm about to get up and in your face now if you start <laughs> saying that. Okay? I mean, I'm just being honest. Like, and I, yeah. I, I, you know, sometimes when I go to the temple, to the Salt Lake Temple, and I and I get the missionary tour, like, I need to bring duct tape on, and because I get so fired up when I hear people say stuff like that. So help help us with this, guys. Like, to our Christian listeners, how how would you what 
how could they have responded to a statement like that that would have been gracious without making it sound like they were believing what you were saying? See what I'm asking? Yeah, I do. I think, you know what? I, I think explaining to a missionary that the Bible, uh, you, you know, you do such a good job of this, Brian, actually. You, when, when you explain the Bible as one cohesive story mm-hmm. uh, that, that is all about Jesus, right? The Bible from beginning to end is all about Jesus. And, um, and I think explaining that to a missionary is important, right? I, I think this is one of those moments where sharing what you know or what you believe in about the Bible is, uh, is critical here. Now, it doesn't have to be, I'm right and you're wrong, and that's the end of it, get out of my house. It doesn't have to be that. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing wrong with sharing what you believe about the Bible, which is that you believe the Bible to be the Word of God, you believe that the Bible teaches truth about Jesus, and you believe that the gospel is the good news, is that Jesus hmm. came to earth, died, rose again, and, uh, and, that, and that our job is to believe in Jesus. Like that's, yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I might, I might even just say, you know, considering 1 Corinthians 15, I might just say, I might read verses three and four and say, and emphasize just as the scripture said twice, I, I might just say, I believe what Paul is saying here. I, be, I believe what the scriptures said, these scriptures. I believe what these scriptures said. I trust what this book has told me. Maybe that would be enough just to, just to again, like you said, Bo, to affirm, affirm the positive side of it rather than, than jump. I'd have to really, man, the Holy Spirit would have to really hold me back on this because I do, I can get fired up and I can get like right, righteous anger. It's probably not righteous anger. It's probably just dumb anger. But when people talk like this, it gets me fired up, but it's not helpful, is it? Because then it just turns the missionaries off. The missionaries now are going to retract and they're going to, it just doesn't help them. It doesn't plant a seed for them. So maybe it's be better for just for me to go to scripture, say, I'm with, I'm with what Paul's saying here. I agree with Paul, but let's, let's move on. Yeah, I think um, it's important to remember that these young missionaries, your job is to witness to them um, of Jesus Christ. So it can be, I don't know, sometimes I I think it would be good to even ask clarifying questions like, wow, that sounds like you um, don't believe that the fullness of the gospel can be found in the Bible. Oh, okay, so what do you think about when... Paul says this here. What does that mean to you? And how could that, that's different than what I believe. You know what I mean? Just sort of coming at it with a little bit of openness and asking clarifying questions. And then, like you said, sharing your belief with them in a calm, loving way so that you can help them to understand the Bible, start to begin to understand the message that's in there. Now, it says in here, in this new thing, guys, uh, I'm going to go back to what it says. And Bo, you said that this, you don't remember that this was in your version of it, but it says the Book of Mormon teaches us what we must believe about Jesus in order to have faith in him. So is this, are you going to get into some of the distinctives about Jesus in Mormonism versus Christianity? Uh, A little bit. You know, it's interesting, though, because they make that statement. It's a pretty bold statement. And then the rest of this is basic Mormon doctrine or, or ba- the, the, the gospel is taught by Mormons that 
has always been taught, and that there's no real emphasis on what's taught in the Book of Mormon about Jesus in the next. Wait, several so yeah, so sections. that's what I'm saying is when I'm reading what they're talking about in this lesson plan. Again, this is this is in the handbook that they're giving to the missionaries. Here's what it says about faith in Jesus: We're to believe in Christ to save the world. Check. I believe that Christians believe that. He wants us to accept and follow his teachings. Check. I believe Christians believe that. That's so simple, so basic. And then we receive blessings when we obey. Okay, check. I'm good with all three of those things. But that doesn't at all get get at the Mormon doctrine of Christ versus the biblical doctrine of Christ. So do you just not get into that stuff in lesson three? Yeah, I would be so interested to sit in the missionary training center right now and understand what this section is all about. because. This section, I'm telling you, unless I have amnesia, this section was not there when I was a missionary. So uh, I would be so interested to know what they're what they're getting at because the rest of the scripture references coming up, almost all of them are from like the Doctrine and Covenants. Like most of these aren't even from the Book of Mormon, and there's actually plenty of reasons for that we can get into later. But um, mainly because the the Book of Mormon teaches more of a Trinitarian. Jesus than anything, but anyways, we, we'll get into that later. So uh, that speaks to Joseph's evolving theology. That's a totally different thing. But let's let's I digress. Okay, let's let's get into what what comes next. Okay, so the gospel of Christ and doctrine of Christ are important to understand. They're taught plainly and in their fullness in the Book of Mormon. So please, Mister Brown, will you read the Book of Mormon and pray about it? Okay, cool. All right, next we'll get into faith in Jesus Christ. Okay, wait, now let me stop you, Bo, because I want to ask, so are you, I mean, like, what did you do at this point? Did Because you said you were excited about this because you got to talk about Jesus, but what, what, did, what did you say about Jesus at this point? Were you keeping it really surface level, or did you, yeah, how did you handle that? Yeah, so, so at this point, I, I would have just been talking about Jesus and his divine mission, how he's the Son of God. He was sent here um, into the world— to live a sinless life and to sacrifice himself for all mankind and to be our savior. And, and it, if we put our faith and trust in him, we can be saved. Like that's what I would be trying to emphasize as a missionary here. And so when I would get into faith in Jesus, I would talk about um, how important it is to have faith in Christ, how empowering that can be in our lives and how uh, he wants us to accept and follow his teachings and, and that God's given us the ability to choose to accept or reject Jesus in our lives. Okay, so, but let's take a break for just a second then, just for our listeners' sake, and you can go back and hear the full episodes on this. We've covered this before, but give, like in two minutes, guys, give me the dip, the difference between the Mormon Jesus and the biblical Jesus, just in case people get into that in this lesson. Yeah, okay. I, I yep, here we go. Two minutes, okay. <laughs> uh, the Mormon Jesus is a the literal son of God and our elder brother. Meaning, now, last week we talked about the, the plan of salvation. We talked about the pre-mortal life. In the pre-mortal life, we all lived as spirit sons and daughters of God. That's what Mormons teach. They teach that Jesus was our elder brother in the pre-mortal life, that God had a plan of salvation for his children, his literal spirit children. He presented it to us, and Jesus was at the center of that plan. He was to be our Savior, and he volunteered to be our Savior. At that point, there was a war in heaven. Satan and a third of the 
children, the spirits, were cast out. Now here we are all on earth. Jesus came, died, rose again. We are here to accept Jesus uh, to be saved. So that's, <laughs> is that how did I do? Yeah, that's the Mormon Jesus right there. Um, so the KD, yeah, so KD, maybe you can explain the Christian Jesus because again, Mormons listening would say, Bo, good job. You, you hit all the points. Christians listening are picking themselves up off the floor right now <laughs> because that's not at all what the Bible teaches. So, KD, now you understand Jesus from a biblical point of view. And I love to, I always love how you explain it because I think you really understand it from both perspectives. And I, I just think you do a great job explaining who Jesus is now that you understand the biblical Jesus. Thank you. Um, I'll try. So, Jesus, from a Christian perspective, he is 100% God and 100% man. And I know that maybe some Mormons listening have heard that before, but that concept can be really difficult for a Mormon to, to grasp. But the Christian Jesus is very different from the Mormon Jesus because he is God. So the Mormon Jesus is, is the same, is a man, right? And has some divine nature, but the Christian Jesus is all God and all man. So he was able to come down and to really give himself as a sacrifice for our sin to truly be the lamb, right? Um, and that's how I understand that now. I would say, so pop quiz, KD, is Jesus the same species as us, as humans? Oh, yeah, I used to think that. As a Mormon, <laughs> I truly did um, because of the teachings that Bo just explained. Um, that he was my brother, but no, he is not. And that is so much more powerful that that God incarnate would would sacrifice himself for us. But again, Bo, you're not getting into those details here. So you if you're sitting down with a someone who, you know, grew up Baptist but fell away from the church and now they they think basically just another Christian's coming in to get them to come to their Christian denomination, which is pretty much what Mormons how would they would present themselves now then they're listening to the, just again, at surface level, they're listening to this. They're like, yeah, I believe all the basic stuff you just said about Jesus. Cause you didn't get into that, to that elder brother stuff that you just explained. You're not going to, that, I mean, when would someone learn about the elder brother stuff? Are they going to learn about that in the missionary lessons? Or are they going to learn about that six months later at the ward? Yeah. They're not going to learn about that from the missionaries. Um, they're going to learn about that after they get baptized and start paying tithing. <laughs> that's crazy that's crazy to me to hear that yeah. honestly i mean do people do people ever like six months in a year in do, do people ever are they ever like what in the world is this as they start learning what i think is yeah. this would this be deeper doctrine or deep doctrine then uh, deeper yeah i mean it's i mean you'll you'll hear it taught over yeah. conference talks you'll hear it on, yeah. on sunday but but deeper doctrine and yeah it Six months, a year in, people start to kind of think, oh my goodness, this is not the Christianity that I'm used to, or or they'll go through the temple and they'll really, you know, have their socks knocked off. So I think, um, yeah, it's surface level, all this stuff is going to sound familiar, right? We're talking about mm -hmm. faith in Christ, how important it is to have faith in Jesus, and that we receive blessings from God when we obey, right? But it it's so different. Um, 
in, in the who you're placing your faith in. Hmm. So that, that was really well put. Um, okay. So from there we would then talk about how, okay, once you place your faith in Jesus, you need to begin to repent and repentance comes through the atonement of Jesus Christ. So faith in Christ leads us to repent. We feel godly sorrow for the things that we've done in our life, and we, we stop doing those things that are wrong, and, and then we continue on to do things that are right. And, and we confess our sins to the Lord. We also confess serious sins to church leaders and who, who can help us repent. And then we receive forgiveness, um, and the guilt and sorrow is replaced by peace. And that peace comes from the atonement of Jesus Christ. Okay, let me do some, can I do some teaching here for a second on repentance? Yeah. Because this is another word, this is another term that Mormons use and Christians use. And honestly, I think some Christians, forget about Mormons for a second, I think some Christians don't even really understand what repentance means. So let me just explain this, because I think this is helpful. And and you might, for Mormons and Christians listening, I think this is helpful. Repentance literally means to change your mind, to have a change of mind. We, years ago, we spent some time thinking about what's a, what's a good word for this? What's a good way to explain this? And we came up with the word attitude. A rep- a repentance is a change of attitude. It's an attitude of submission to Jesus. That's what the biblical concept of repentance is. So when the Bible says repent and believe, what it's saying is, is stop seeing it your way and see it God's way. Acknowledge that God's right, you're wrong. So it's not it's not a work at all. It's not an action at all. It's not about doing anything. It's about your attitude. So when we say when we say that you're saved by by repenting of your sins and putting your faith in Jesus, what we mean by that is acknowledging you're a sinner in 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 your attitude and your heart attitude and trusting in Jesus for salvation. The Bible says then you're saved. That's how you're saved. When a Mormon talks about repentance, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm reading it right here in the lesson plan, it says we stop doing things that are wrong and continue doing things that are right. So when a Mormon talks about repentance, they're talking about what I would call the fruit of repentance. Now, it might seem like we're just mincing words here, but this is actually really important because I Christians believe in the fruit of repentance. They believe that you should have fruit, that when you repent, which means when you in your in the attitude of your heart you come to Jesus and submit to him and trust in him for salvation that should impact your actions eventually but those are two separate things this is really important for people to understand those are two separate things repentance and faith i would agree repentance and faith are required for salvation but the fruit of repentance the result of that repent that heart change happens later. That's a subsequent thing. God isn't waiting for you to do these things, do these covenants, do, you know, change your ways. He's not waiting for you to do that to, before he calls you his child. He's, you're his child the moment you place your faith in Jesus Christ after having truly had that attitude change. Does that make sense? So it's very different. It, again, for some people, it might sound like a nuanced thing. It's not nuanced at all. It is, it is that the core of the gospel it's at the core of the gospel that Jesus did all the work. I can't do any of the work. None of my works save me. But I think at this point, a Mormon would have a hard time understanding that concept. Yeah, that's a really important call out. And this is where, and we've talked about kind of the hamster wheel feeling. Mm-hmm. This is this is in large part where it's going to start. 
coming from for Mormons is this feeling that they need to constantly stop doing things that are wrong, start doing things that are right, and then they mess up, and then they feel terrible, and then they feel guilty, and then they have to like work it off by trying to be a better person. Um, now, now Mormons would say that they're doing that through the power of the atonement, but but the the emphasis is still off there. And the emphasis on you, right, KD? I mean, because you, you understand this. I love how you explain this too. You understand this now from a from a free perspective, from a, the freedom that you have in Christ now that you're a Christian, as opposed to the bondage that you felt as a Mormon trying to do things on the surface. Wouldn't you say that people would look at your life and say? You still look like a good person, but you know that there's a completely different power at work. Why don't you try, try to articulate that? Yeah, I think um, this was so important for me to understand as a Mormon because I was very much in bondage to this hamster wheel. Um, I believed that because um, I did not bear the, I did not bear the weight of Adam's sin as a Mormon. That's what I believed. So I believe that through my own righteousness, right, through doing, turning away from things that are wrong and doing things that are right, that was how I was going to um, earn my worthiness and get closer to Jesus Christ, which is really what I wanted. And I would inevitably, in my own human power, would stumble and would fall and would continually do things that are wrong. And then I would, you know, I'd get back up and just say, okay, I'm going to pray harder and I'm going to do these things harder. And then I'd fall again. And that hamster wheel was uh, just so exhausting um, because I wasn't, I didn't understand who God was. I didn't understand his, his power and I didn't understand the spirit, right? So once I became Christian and accepted Jesus Christ as my savior and understood that I am a sinner and there's nothing I can do to be, to do right, right? There's nothing I can do. Then the fruit of the spirit comes from his grace, comes from my accepting Jesus Christ, his spirit, God's spirit now living in me. And now I am motivated to do things that are right through grace. And that's where the fruit of the spirit comes. I can't, I think that um, Mormons may view it as the more things you do that are right, the the easier that that will become, right? The easier, and in some ways that is true, but it's not in the right way, right? Because it's not motivated by by the Spirit of God. So later in this lesson, when we talk about the gift of the Holy Ghost or the Spirit of God, for you, Katie, you felt like that came and went, right? Depending on your actions, right? That was, that's part of the hamster wheel that, I mean, that's all connected into this lesson is now we're not getting there just yet, but we are at the end of this lesson, we talk about that Holy, the gift of the Holy ghost. But, but as a Christian, now you recognize that, that the Holy spirit doesn't come and go based on your goodness, right? Because it's a gift and God's not, he doesn't give a gift and take it away, give it and take it away. He doesn't play like that with us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's through God's grace and it's a gift and I have become a temple and that temple, you know, is, is through God. So, yeah. Yeah, that was, that was well said. So, uh, so from there we then move into baptism, right? And we would talk about, all right, so we receive forgiveness for our sins. Uh, we, we know that we need to repent and that's where baptism comes in. Baptism is our first commandment with God. We are 
commanded to be baptized. It's an ordinance um, that's a sacred rite uh, by which we make a covenant with God. And this covenant is, a, is an agreement between God and his children. Keeping covenants brings blessings. And, and when we're baptized by immersion for the remission of sins, um, we're promised a, a couple things, right? Uh, we're, we're promised to be forgiven of sin, and then we're we're promised to to have the spirit with us. So we we take upon us this covenant of baptism um, as long as it's performed by the priesthood authority of God. Okay, so some of this sounds Christian, and some of this doesn't. So obviously, one of them is one issue is that it has to be performed by someone holding the priesthood authority. Um, so that that's a big can of worms because. Christians obviously don't believe that Mormons hold the keys to the priesthood, so that's a whole rabbit trail to go down. But but probably the more important thing here is, I think you already said it, is this is where the covenants, the idea of covenants are being introduced. Explain explain that for a second. Like, where are we eventually going with the idea of covenants in Mormonism? Yeah, with the idea of covenants, we are headed to the temple at some point, right? Like, the, the goal is for, for exaltation, right? So, so the goal is to to go to the temple and take out our own endowment essentially as a mormon so in the in the temple you make several covenants um that are required to receive exaltation in the highest degree of celestial glory so so for a mormon baptism is the first covenant of several covenants they're going to be making in their life and these are, again, a covenant essentially is a two-way promise between you and God. So you promise God you'll do things, and then God promises in return he'll do things or give you things. And so what if I, what if I say, okay, I'm willing to get baptized, but the temple seems weird. I'm not interested in temple stuff. Can I just have that version of Mormonism? What would you say to that? Yeah, sure. You'll, you'll go to the celestial kingdom, but you won't be able to eternally progress with your spouse and become like God, essentially. So, so the whole idea from last, the last lesson about the plan of exaltation, I'll, I'll, my exaltation, my eternal progression will be stopped up. Essentially, yeah. yeah. Essentially, if, if you stop at baptism, yep, that's right. In, in Mormon theology, yeah. The whole idea of covenant is interesting because, first of all, the, the idea of covenant is true from the Bible, you know, that God makes a covenant with us. But here's the problem, and I, I want Mormons listening to really hear this. The, the, covenant, the covenant keeper is God and God alone. We can't keep the covenant. That's the whole point. We can't keep up our end of the bargain. So if you think salvation, if you think that um, get, be, getting right with God has to do with, well, he's going to keep up his end of the bargain, you're going to keep up your end of the bargain, and then together you're going to be working towards your salvation. That is anti-Bible. That is not at all what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches the exact opposite of that. All throughout the Old Testament, it's just over and over people showing and proving that they can't keep the covenant. God makes a covenant to Abraham in Genesis 12. He says, I'm going to bless all the nations through your seed. He's talking about Jesus. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. And then in Genesis 15, he puts him to sleep and he does this ritual, this covenant ritual, where he has he has Abraham cut up these carcasses. This is what they would do back in the day if you're making a covenant with another man, is you'd You'd cut up these carcasses, and then you'd walk between the carcasses, and you'd you'd basically shake hands in the middle of the of the. It was called a blood covenant, and essentially, what you're saying to that other, you know, Bo, if I'm gonna 
if we're going to make this deal, this business deal, we'd go to the middle and we'd shake on it in the middle of that bloody mess, essentially saying that if you don't keep your up your end of the deal, may what we did to these, you know, cows be done to you. You know, so it was like, you better take this seriously. You better take this covenant seriously. You better keep up your end of the deal. And I'd be saying the same thing. I'm going to keep up my end of the deal. But here's what, and I encourage people to go read this in Genesis 15. When So God had Abram, he had him prepare the the covenant grounds. He had him cut up these, and you can read the instructions, a three-year-old heifer and a three-year-old female goat and a three-year-old ram and a turtle dove and a young pigeon. And he, he presented all these. He killed them. Abram did. He cut these animals down the middle and he laid the halves on either side. And then it's really crazy what happens in Genesis 15. It says that Abraham went to sleep and God, this fire pot, passes through the covenant without while Abraham was sleeping. And it's such a powerful metaphor of the way covenants with God work. And I want every Mormon to hear this. You can't keep up your end of the covenant. You sleep. You know, we said in the last lesson that God does 100% of the work. You know, that story of the dad going into the to the bike shop with his son and the son puts out $2.50 and the dad pays for the rest of it. Again, Mo- Abraham was was asleep. God passed through the covenant by himself, and he did that on purpose to show us the nature of covenants with God. We can't keep up our end of the deal. And so every covenant that a Mormon is trying to make, starting with this baptism one, they're they're starting off on the wrong grounds. They're misunderstanding the grace of God. They're misunderstanding how covenants work with God. God is the promise keeper. We're promise breakers. And so when we come to God, we need to rest in him. We need to sleep in him. We need to trust that he did all the work going going into the blood of the covenant. That's what the cross is. That's what Jesus did for us. So baptism is is important for us to do as a fruit of repentance, but it's it's not something that changes the way God looks at us. He's not like, okay, good, check, you did that. Now you got to do the next thing at the temple. Now you got to do the next thing at the temple. That's never how God related to human beings ever. And it's never how we how he will relate to human beings because we're imperfect and we we break our promises all the time. And that's why the gospel, the Bible teaches is good news. It's not bad news. To me, like the the weight of 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 bearing, you know, like keeping these covenants which sounds so weighty to me. Like that is not good news to me. The good news is that Jesus did all the work and and I get all the I get all the benefits of it because Jesus did it all. He's the covenant keeper. I'm the promise breaker. And so all praise and exaltation goes to Jesus, not to me at all. Yeah, it's it's interesting, right? Because uh, Jesus doesn't say that baptism is this this covenant, right? He, he says that his blood, he says his blood is the covenant. The new covenant is his sacrifice. That's the new covenant. Believing in Jesus, believing that Jesus died for our sins, that's the covenant. God kept the covenant. Jesus himself kept the covenant. We did not. We can't. Yeah, that's good. So again, I, again, I want I want everyone to hear Christians and Mormons to hear baptism. We believe in baptism as Christians, but we just put it in a whole different category. It's not about we don't put it in the category of of getting right with God. It's we put it in the category of something that you do after God makes you right with Him. So doing all these things, it, we should still be obedient to him. So I don't want people to misunderstand. We should still be obedient, but our obedience doesn't earn us anything. Our obe- God's not waiting for us to, to be obedient to call us his children. 
we're his children because of our faith in Jesus and what Jesus did on the cross. And so, so baptism is still a thing for Christians. It's just a completely different thing. It would, it would end up in a different lesson for Christians is maybe one way to say it. It wouldn't end up in the gospel lesson, right? It would end up in, okay, what happens after you receive the gospel? That's where baptism belongs. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. So, so something that's going to sound familiar is, you know, when we're baptized, we begin a new life of commitment to Jesus, right? That's part of what the, what the Mormons are going to teach here, which is going to sound really familiar, um, to walk in a newness of life, right? But, uh, but the, the thing that's going to sound a little different is the, the last bullet that, that we'll teach in this section of the lesson, which is that we renew our covenant, our baptismal covenant, by partaking of the sacrament weekly. Now, the sacrament is the Mormon version of the communion, which is bread and water in substitute for wine or juice. So it's bread and water that we take every week at church as Mormons, um, which we believe, Mormons believe, that that renews the baptismal covenant that they made. So it's the, you know, when Jesus says this, you know, eat, this is my body, this is, and, you know, this is my blood, do it in remembrance of me. Essentially, what what Mormons are remembering here is the baptismal covenant that they made. So, a uh, little side note. Anyway, uh, moving on to what comes next. So, after you're baptized as a Mormon, the next thing is to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And again, the priesthood is—I know we covered priesthood a couple weeks ago, but the priesthood is critical for Mormons because they believe that it is God's power he's given to man to act in his name. And so, the gift of the Holy Ghost um, comes after baptism. and the, the priesthood holders lay their hands on your head, confirm you a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and then they give you the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, the gift of the Holy Ghost, uh, Mormons believe it is the third member of the Godhead, um, and that the gift of the Holy Ghost is conferred upon those people who were just baptized. Um, you know, they believe the Holy Ghost teaches us, it, it, it cleanses us, it comforts us, it testifies of truth, it warns us and directs us. But they also believe that you can lose the Spirit, essentially. Like, when you disobey, and I know we just talked about this, but when you disobey, you lose the Spirit, you, you, it, it leaves you, and you have to repent for the Spirit to come back into your life. And that's where, you know, there's a big, big difference. Um, and I know that we, we, we touched on this earlier, but... Uh, but yeah, that's a, a big difference and just kind of part of that hamster wheel like we were talking about. Yeah, and can I, can I share another passage again? So in the Mormon missionary lessons, we've got verses from 2 Nephi and Mosiah and Moroni. And um, are those all uh, Book of Mormon references and then Doctrine of Covenants also? Yep, that's right. So, but here's what, here's what the Bible says about the gift of the Holy Spirit, because that is a biblical concept, but it doesn't, the, God doesn't give us a gift of the Holy Spirit once a, once a Mormon priest lays his hands on us, here's what the Bible says, uh, Ephesians 1, 13. And I would encourage you to read this when you're going through these lessons with somebody. Read this. Open up your Bible and read this. It says, and now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news. There it is again, gospel. The good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. So simple. So when did, how do we get the Holy Spirit? When we believed in Christ, there's the good news. It's about faith. It's about what Jesus did on the cross. It's just really simple. Yeah, I love it. And, and I think the other thing to point out here is when you receive the Holy Spirit, when, when the Spirit lives in you, you become the temple of God. 
That's, that's why we don't need temples. That's why we don't need to go make all these covenants in temples. It's because Christ fulfilled the covenant. He established the new covenant in his blood. And when we believe in him, we become the temple of God. Like that, that's the beauty of the gospel. So anyway, uh, it's, it's sad that for so long <laughs> I taught all this and missed it. Uh, and sometimes I get frustrated that I missed it for so long. But uh, anyway. So Bo, there's one, more, there's one more part to this lesson three, and it's called Endure to the End. And I'm going to just read what it says in the handbook. Because this is one that really gets me gets my hackles up a little bit. It says, um, it says, we do our best to remain free of sin so that we can enjoy the gift of the Holy Ghost, like you said. So there it is right there. That in, it's kind of like a veiled threat almost. Like, because if you don't, you're not gonna have the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit will leave you, come and go. That's a bummer. But but here's here's the part that really gets me fired up. It says, by faithfully following the gospel path of faith, repentance, making and keeping covenants receiving the Holy Ghost, we can qualify for eternal life and exaltation by being true to covenants made in the Holy Temple. That is so not the gospel. I mean, a message that's about good news. Let me read that again. Does that sound like good news to anyone listening? Look at, look at it's all about you qualifying. The, the good news, the real good news is that Jesus qualified in our place. Jesus lived a perfect sinless life. He died on the cross. The perfect sacrifice for, for imperfect people like us. That's the good news. That's the gospel. It's really simple. It's not that complicated. This right here does not sound like good news at all. It says, here's how you can qualify for eternal life and exaltation. Here's how you qualify. I mean, here's a list. It's everything we've talked about so far. This is like a summary statement at the end of the lesson, right, Bo? It's you follow the you, faith, repentance, making and keeping covenants, receiving the Holy Ghost. That's how you qualify. You got to check all these boxes and that's how you qualify. So is the assumption that is the idea that if you don't check all these boxes that you're not, that you disqualify yourself for, for salvation? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately that's what, that, that, that's what we taught. Um, and, and it's so frustrating to see it <laughs> and, and to hear it played back because I taught this to so many people and, um, yeah, for so for so many years of my life, I I was missing it. It was staring me in the face. The good news was staring me in the face, and instead of just accepting it for what it is, which is Jesus plus nothing, I added all this extra works to it. Right, I added my own faithfulness qualifying me, and my own covenant keeping, and my own temple attendance. All of that was what was earning me salvation and exaltation. And all that was doing was taking away from Jesus, taking away from what he did and, and, and blinding me from, from the only thing I really needed to quote unquote do, if you can call it doing something, which is to believe, to believe in Jesus, to believe that, um, like you said, that he came, died, rose again. And uh, so, you know, I, I look back at these missionary lessons that, that I taught and while I have a ton of fond memories of my mission, um, you know, I, I have, I guess it's not necessarily regret. I guess it's more of a hope. I hope that, that people listening um, maybe don't take as long as I did to, to find Jesus and, and to believe in him and to, 
to walk in a newness of life and to have the Spirit of God live in them. Um, that, that's my hope. Uh, for me, it took a while, but I'm grateful. <laughs> I'm just so grateful that God called me, and uh, it's my hope that, you know, that for those listeners out there, God's calling to you, and I hope, I hope that you respond in faith. I think it would be fitting to close today's episode with some of Paul's words from Galatians chapter 1. Verses 6 and 7, it's so powerful. Here's what he said. I'm shocked that you are turning away so soon from God, who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You're following a different way that pretends to be the good news, the gospel, but it's not the good news at all. You're being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Hey listeners, Pastor Brian here. If you're enjoying our podcast, would you consider becoming a donor? Our goal is that these podcasts would reach the largest audience possible. So obviously it takes money to create good podcasts, but more than that, we wanna make sure to market this to the whole nation and even to the world. That's where your donation comes in. So would you consider becoming a monthly donor? And to do it, just visit pursuegod.org forward slash donate.